0: hello and welcome to the dr Denise show I'm Kathleen O'Toole and I am joined by the one and only dr Denise McDermott hello dr Denise
1: hi Kathleen it's always great to hear your voice and thank Yay. you for co-hosting with me I love it
0: so right I I help you co-host a special carve out series of your show called on staying sane and this is where we put all those I think we're I, I asked you last time I think we're up to Forty-five thousand patient hours. Does that sound? Yes, yes, and also
1: a humble parent of a teenage boy. I think that
0: gives me even more street cred. But I like the data exactly. You know that, and that segues into what we're talking about today. We talked about teen talks last time, and this time. Dr. Denise, this is something that's really, uh, integral to her practice, uh, is protecting your brain, the teen edition, right? We all need to protect our brains, but teenagers have special considerations as they think about how do I protect that very precious brain, the thing they carry around, the thing that makes us who we are. So there's, there's several components of, uh, Topics that you talk about in terms of protecting your brain, Dr. Denise, do you think that there's one that trumps all the other?
1: Well, I think I was in preparation for today. I was really infinity looping back to Teen Talks Part One. Right. The most important thing for all of us as parents, teachers, coaches, doctors, uh, you know, mentors for the teens is understanding how you can communicate with your teen when you're giving these tips like how to have family time, how to make good choices. And in our last episode, we really covered the importance of respect in understanding your teen's unique perception, their mindscape, and the way they respect you as a parent or mentor or role model has a lot to do with their love languages and how they respect you. So I wanted to just set that foundation because, you know, this is Teen Talks Part 2, and one of my intentions of doing this with you is how do we actually, when there's such a generational gap of technology, um, such a fast-paced, frenetic, pulse of consciousness right now, how do we use phrases that stick? So the protect your brain, just that idea, I want to set that before we go into the, which one trumps all setting the landscape as a parent. That when I tell you things, I'm doing it because I love you. And I feel like, just like, I've always said this on the show. We, I always remember stop, drop, and roll from um, officer friendly or the fireman. <laughs> so when we have one to two, like simple, short phrases are what this generation and pretty much all generations like. So when your teen starts to kind of, it's almost like a topic, if you think about a computer outline, just like I, we talked about family time last time, the word protect your brain is something that I came up with and it started and was inspired by the very first interview I've ever done on the Dr. Denise show. I had interviewed um, a retired MMA fighter And my son, because I've always integrated him into what am I up to? It's like, what are you doing, mom? I'm like, oh, I'm interviewing someone so I can help everyone protect their brain. And I think when we look at this, I've told my son and he now knows that the brain keeps, you know, evolving and developing and maturing until age 25. So when you say, is there one topic, Kathleen, I think it's just step one is setting the foundation of the language and the intention you have with your teen. Mm-hmm. What does that protect your brain even mean and then protect your brain covers substance use, sexual activity, healthy communication, bullying, holistic health. It's literally foundational for mind, body, soul, health, but you've got to know your audience. You've got to know your team. you got to know how to talk with them. So I can start to dive on one of those topics, but I think the most important thing is when you have simple phrases, parents, teachers, and mentors out there, that's what works. Because my son, he put the hand up today on the way to school. He had asked me a question, and the minute let I started – Let me guess, your answer was way too –
0: um, comprehensive. That's Correct. that's the problem. My kids are like, yeah, ah,
1: yes. Can't you yes. just
0: stop talking?
1: Yes. And he <laughs> and I've taught him <laughs> and you to put my, the hand up, right? It's like yes. Thoughts. And I've taught him how to do that. With the, let me just tell you about the hand up, everyone. When my son was so super into Star Wars, I taught him a way. He started to use his hand up as though he was using the Force. unseen energy of please leave me alone. So instead of telling me, shut up, mom, this is too much, mom, you're annoying now. He has like a one liner that's kind, that lets me know I've gone on too much. So now I'm even strategically using my own language, my own son, I will tell you everyone, with humility, he is my son, my teacher, and I'm not even kidding. It's like we sign up for the the human children that we are supposed to have, I believe. So pay also right. everyone. Take the lead of your teen. Catch them right. like we talked about in last show. <laughs> sneaky time, sneaky quality time, family talks, no when I know, no morning, Kathleen. I usually have no radio on because he doesn't like it in the morning. Well, and that's we have like, what I want. Yeah. That's like what I was quiet, quiet talk on the way to the bus because it's 7 a.m. Right. But then after school, his There's more energy. He's more energy. And then he was like mad at me last night because I didn't want to have he wants me to sit there and watch Resident Evil watching these mold monsters be destroyed. And I told him I'm okay. And I put timers to it. I'm like, okay. Honey, my brain can do 15 minutes of this at a time. I don't like to see all this killing. So I've even coached him on my neuro style. And can I, said, I go back? I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I'd
0: like to, before we move on, I'd like to go back to the car because, um, you know, part of this protecting your brain could be the silence that some of our kids crave. Like he needs the silence in the morning, right? Um, my daughter, she, I have a driver for her a couple days a week because I'm working and I can't get to her. And apparently the driver talks and talks and talks and talks to, to my daughter. And she says, that then she'll stop talking and then she'll wait 10 seconds and then keep talking. And my daughter's like, the bus is loud. All I want is just some quiet. And we had a humorous, uh, kind of talk this weekend about how we could talk to the driver and give her cues to maybe not talk so much and, or tell her funny stories that would make her just be quiet for a while. We had a good time actually with it, but it's the silence. And it could be that the brain really needs that silence. It needs that for my daughter, it's after school, the decompression time, she needs quiet. She doesn't need a radio like your son then, right? So taking the lead of your teen, but maybe maybe with all the stimuli they have all day long, the silence is golden.
1: This is so paramount, this exact topic. And this is a golden thread and universal truth for all of us. And I literally wrote this. I said, it is no easy feat, teen parenting, as it requires a true leaning in as a parent To match your child's energy, perception, and love language. So when I hear you talk about your daughter's need for silence, I will just now say I just did a show and it was titled Perception is Everything. Know your audience. Mm -hmm. Know your team. Know your neurostyle. I've had to do... Uh, <laughs> this is my own thing that I have to do, and I call it shushing myself. And I kind mm-hmm. of have like a shush yourself. So, with specific tip and tool for what you just described, if your daughter has good rapport with this driver, one thing could be, you know, kid. This the more like normal thing to say is your daughter could just say, "I am so not a morning person. I appreciate." Your- well, this is afternoon, but I am well, so she, not an afternoon person. Well, she could just say, my my son uses the word neurostyle now. He's yeah. so proud that that's like an established word. She could say, my neurostyle needs a lot of shush because mm-hmm. I've had a sensory overload at school all day. It's nothing to do with you. You're so kind and lovely. I need light talk or none. Right. And <laughs> please don't take that disrespectful. I just need light talk. Right. Yeah.
0: It's hard for a teenager to like get the right tone, right. With, with someone who's in a bit of authority, like you said, respectful, but you know, that they, you know, some are too outspoken and not respectful enough. And some are so deferential to the, to the authority that they, they don't feel that they can say that. And it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate as a teenager, as you're developing your voice.
1: Yes, so this we will get back to protect your brain, but this perception and how to have someone have an awareness, your daughter's awareness of her unique neurostyle, just like my son, just like your neurostyle, just like mine. So an empowerment of talking with your daughter and breaking it down and saying, here are options. One, here's a script you can say. Two, if you want, I could say something three, and then at least give your teen or preteen choices. So, Because I even tell my son when he's talking to me a certain way, I go, "Um, Tone, are you kidding me? Are you talking to other people like this? He's like, no, but you're my mom. I'm like, well, uh, hello. You should be even more respectful. So I always frame things just like the family time, protect your brain, which we're about to dive in. But the perception and the neurostyle awareness, I do a lot of uh, parent coaching with my son and telling him what's expected and what's not. But then I want him to be the one that's the master of his own perception, energy, and communication. And it's going to vary for every teen. So, as a parent listening, this is a very, I'm glad that we have this talk because there's no two teens that are alike, and everyone's at a different fr- phase of their own neurodevelopment.
0: So when I um, interrupted you way back when to talk about silence, uh, you were talking about your son, I forget the name, pardon me, the name of the game that he likes you to watch. And then you can only take 15 minutes of it. But it gets to one of the major, one of the big pillars of what we wanted to talk about today in terms of protecting your brain, the teen edition, and that's online games. And I wanted to hear what you had to say about this.
1: Well, so first of all, this was such a topic near and dear to my heart that back in 2017, and I think also in 2020, which you and I co-interviewed, this topic of online use of gaming, um, social complex social relationships online, um, we've had Cam Adair on, and I will make sure we put that as one of the links because we did an excellent thorough show. So I think there's no way around. This goes back to the protect your brain and how much online social media and gaming and knowing your own unique genetics and your propensity, all of us can have a propensity to overuse Mm -hmm. of anything or addiction. And so in my home, and then also with my patients, I think if you have a balanced approach to using games or using um, social media, you're okay. But what happened is during the pandemic, everyone was on lockdown, and I think this generation of preteens, teens, and children, and all of us adults too, were on our devices way more than the human um, brain could handle. So right. I think that when it comes to my son, I he was really funny last night. He's like, "Well, mom, I have balance." I have I spend half the time working out which he is really in good shape he almost has a six pack and I spend the other time online gaming but mom I'm not always playing games I play he does he plays monopoly with his friends online and uno and I hear him having a rich social rapport mm-hmm. and I was very concerned like honey why aren't you having all your friends that you say you have at school when you're playing flag football Or you're, you know, very engaged in school, why don't we see them here? We've got a gated community. He's like, Mom, you just don't get it. You don't, you're so 80s. Like our generation does do more online socializing. So this actually goes back to perception, Kathleen. I didn't want to just so we know there's the data, like the data, like the CDC and the American Psychiatric Association about gaming and addiction and we know thank you Camadare there's some people that can't play video games or can't engage in balance because their their nucleus accumbens and their addiction loop is so much that they can't just step away from it right so i think protecting your brain includes a mindful ingestion of your entire environment whether it be gaming social media so the teen talks part 2 and how to do this with your teen is to know their unique neurostyle, have them be aware of it, right. and talk in terms of health and protect your brain.
0: Is so there, I, from the doctor's standpoint, are there any quick things that you can tell us, like like be wary, be weir- wary if you see A, B, and C with your teen and gaming that, that they might have passed the point where they're maybe doing a little damage to your, their brain's?
1: Well, I can see an absolute extreme example, and it would be Cam Adair. Cam had a situation, and I it's been a long time since I've deep dived on his story, but I do remember it. And by the way, I want to put a shout out and thank you to Cam Adair, of gamequitters.com. He is just, he's won mental health advocacy awards. He as a teen was struggling. He had some bullying happening. He was playing hockey, something happened with bullying, and he turned, when your teen turns to all online gaming and they become more isolated, they're in their room, they might have less focus, their grades could begin to drop, they just look sad, they might not be eating as much. So any type of over-gaming can turn into mood issues, sadness, disengagement, And just not even, that's like an extreme example with Cam. He got to the point where he was suicidal. And so that's an extreme example. But if you notice that there's not a mood state for your child that's kind of balanced and they're having a personality change, you have to, sometimes I know as a child psychiatrist, oftentimes it's tricky because a lot of times parents think, well, they're just a teen. They're going through that phase. But they want to be in their room. So I think one of the ways as a parent, and we'll keep going on different topics of protect your brain, but this loops back to the importance of that family time. And that actually changes as your preteen and teen grows up. They might need a little bit less, a little bit more. But if you have that golden thread of sneaky family time, quality time, you kind of have more of a, an, eye, an overall view of your teen. And figure right. out ways to check in with their mood. So it's all about balance. So uh, thank you, because those
0: those um, very concrete signs of over gaming, some uh, some of us parents need to hear that. The, that also doesn't stray far from the use of social media, whether it be the overuse or the the detrimental. Because let's let's face it, there's. You know, not all social media use is detrimental, but there can be some aspects of it that are detrimental to the teenagers. So let's hear, you know, I, and I know I you're a I fir-
1: have an article that's kind of intense okay. about this topic that I looked up. But before that, I want to say what came to mind today in preparation for the discussion of social media was the terms healthy communication. Because, and that's for any type, whether it's on a show, in person, texting, Snapchat, healthy communication, that's a nice tidbit to put in your toolbox as a parent of talking. So before I dive deep into statistics, I want to give examples, and then we'll go to see what the CDC says about social media. So I think when someone's a preteen or teen, this generation, and I know our generation did it too, there's the difference between kind communication, teasing, roasting someone, and then there's outright bullying if we were to make some timeline, right? And then this goes back to sensory perception, because if someone is receiving a message on social media and they're not hearing a tone of voice, and maybe they don't know the person... A one line can sound harsh, nasty, awful. So what one teen might think is just a healthy roast, another teen could think is absolute bullying and they might want to kill themselves. And I have to tell you this before I give the statistics. I am incredibly fortunate that my son wants me to hear. They do this thing where they're playing um, video games and sometimes in between they're roasting each other. And my son's a comedian and they have a blast doing this. And he wants me to listen to the recordings of their roastings. And he's got friends that are of mixed race. And he goes, mom, this might offend you, but we're a little bit using racist humor. I'm like, OMG. I'm like, what is racist humor? You know what I mean? Your your flags go up as a parent. And so I listened to the whole thing. So if you're fortunate enough as a parent and you are having that trust with your teen, helping them navigate social media, how to treat people. I'm going to go into this data in a minute, but I said, Karen, now does da-da-da-da, how do they feel about this? How are you guys razzing each other? I needed to know the lay of the land because Karen, in the world, like if you did this at school, I could get a call. And I go, you don't really know if this person wants this. And it wasn't, by the way, they all equally give each other a hard time. So then I feel like as a parent, I'm blessed that he tells me because I get to lean into know your audience. Is this kind? Is this mean? And I feel like I have more of a window into this generation. A lot of these teens that are playing these video games, I, I can speak for a boy teen. Maybe you can help me with your, with your daughter. And I have patience too, but this is just more the vulnerable share. A lot of this generation uses a lot of profanity and throws each other under the bus. It's almost like a harsh social media and, uh, communication environment. And then let me give you the stats now, by the way, before I give you stats, did you want to say anything? No. Okay. So there's this incredible article, uh, that was done February 14th, 2023 by Kirsten Fleming. The internet is destroying our kids. Shocking new CDC team reports, the latest proof, and they have a root, a youth risk behavior survey. And here's what it said. It said that, um, Most teen girls, 57%, felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021, which is double the rate for teen boys, 29%. Nearly one in three teen girls seriously considered attempting suicide. Now, they're saying that teen angst and apathy are not novel, but every generation has a different kind of uh, landscape. So they were talking about how in many generations, there's like an emo teenager rite of passage, but what's happened? What's going on now that it's so extreme? And they really piggy, piggybacked it to the COVID lockdowns and that it's really been an issue with the internet and social media. And then um, there was a study in 2020 that Instagram was wreaking havoc on the mental state of girls and that no one really knows how to intervene. So they were talking about depression, eating disorders, gender confusion, and all the use of TikTok videos, and so much of kind of access to being bombarded. And there's even loops, you know, on social media. I read that there's some things with TikTok, I don't have this exact article, um, but really where it took kids down like a dangerous loop. And there's even people that are suing different social media platforms because of what their teens were exposed to that led them to even thinking about harming themselves. Um, And then there's times, I don't know if you've seen, that's really hard for me. Um, And I, I'm, you know, I watch the right amount of mindful ingestion of what's going on in the world, but I've seen videos that go viral where a teen with autism was beat up on the subway. Girls were, I mean, there's so much going on for our youth. So the world of social media and then cyber bullying and then bullying in real person, I feel like has escalated and it's a huge mental health crisis for our teens. All right. Thanks for um, setting the table.
0: So uh, on the issue. So as a parent, some of that news, you know, some of those statistics and facts can be distressing. So what, what do you. Wait,
1: I have to tell you, I got sad. When I read it, I, I'm in it. I'm living it as a mom. I'm living it when I get the call to be someone's child psychiatrist. But every time I see a statistic like that, watch a video, I just wanted to say I, I identify with the feeling of sadness, despair, and hopelessness. And then I go, well, what can I do? Right. So tell us. Okay. So deep breath. Whew. Okay. Okay. We are in 2023, and I think that more than ever, it's our job as humanity, to whatever generation we're at, influencing our preteens and teens, engage in more deep dive, vulnerable, and authentic conversations. I, I give my if you have a teen, even if you don't agree with some of the influencers that your child might like want to emulate or the games that they're playing. I think if you do an all or nothing approach and just say you say oh no social media for you or let's ban this or no this all or nothing black and white thinking with an authoritative authoritative versus authoritarian. I don't I wish the words weren't so close. This no because I said so um, st- style of parenting or mentoring does not work the authoritarian of more kind communication and understanding your teen's use of social media. Like I'm really fortunate because I know my son was on Discord. He's on Snapchat. He's on Instagram. I know the names of his Instagram handles. One of his Instagram handles, I'm not going to say I don't like. He's not willing to change it yet. I know his passcodes. I explained to him that this is all part of protecting your brain. And it was music to my ears. I did a post this weekend. Then he goes, he was like, ladies first, mom, you're raising a gentleman. And I was like, OMG, oh, did he just say that after all that we've been through? Good, the good, the bad, the ugly lately. <laughs> so so because of a more of authoritarian, kind, firm boundaries, you really have to know the landscape of your child's social media. Ask them their friends' names Create a space where they don't feel like they're going to get in trouble if they tell you the truth. Figure out the shades of gray with what their teen's using. They might be sucked into some virtual reality or internet game. Understand their why. Watch shows with your teen. Watch their video games. Watch some of the reels you don't want to watch. I told my son today... I go, I know you got really mad at me yesterday that I didn't want to watch more of you playing Resident Evil and that this is your favorite thing you like to do. And I just don't really enjoy it, but I do love you. And I will do 30 minutes of what you want me to watch today. And I set timers because I can only handle so much uh, mold monsters being destroyed And I've heard the same influencer that my son likes that has taught him good eating habits, fitness, nutrition, but there's other things I don't like about this influencer. I'm not going to say his name, but there's things that he has really done that have been helpful to my son. So I say, I cannot watch that reel of those people. Again, I've already seen this five times. Show me something different. I want to watch a comedy. Mom's brain does not want to see all this killing. You know, my neuro style. But I love you. He even said to me to try to get me to watch another thing that I didn't want to watch yesterday. Now, Mom, remember, you know you have to do things sometimes that you don't like to do, <laughs> which I tell him. So it's like he's doing like infinity loop trying to parent back to me. So I think I, I just want to say this is no easy world we're living in. It's a lot of hard work. And I believe that we have to meet the generation's and the energy and the perception and the pulse of consciousness, we have to know about our kids' Snapchat. We have to know their passcodes. We have to say, are they, when I go to bed, sneaking up and staying up all night? So I had my son's phone checked in. And I need. I think I need to do that again last night. I called him to have a check-in in the phone because I'd forgot. It's like, mom, you just woke me up. I'm falling asleep. So he was already falling asleep and wasn't going to be on his electronic But I I write these, uh, the other thing, very concrete tip, everyone. So let me just go through this. Number one, know the landscape of your own child's social media. Number two, create spaces where if they're going to show you what they're up to, you understand what drives their emotions, their aggressions, what characters they like, what online virtual characters they tend to be. Number three, help them navigate socializing, knowing their audience, when to roast, when to tease, when not to do that. I oftentimes say to myself, you don't talk to girls you're dating that way, do you? He goes, no. I'll go, good. So I use it as like lessons and I try to acknowledge what's going on, create a space to talk about it, then come up with like a framework And and that's you in your own home have to create your own family time. My son used to want to go to the pool with me every night. Now he likes family time on the couch. It shifts. Your child and teen might shift where they want to have these talks. So just grab it when you can. And I do think as a parent, you need to make some sacrifices. This is energy consuming for me. I have to then say no to other things so I can show up for my child, and sometimes it's tiring and sometimes I get annoyed, and sometimes I'm in a crabby mode, so just realize this is not easy. this isn't like a hallmark commercial. <laughs> this is like this is tough work
0: well, that's so i mean we we're out of time, but I did want you to give you like a little little tiny bit of time to talk about protecting your brain and as it pertains to substance abuse i mean
1: i well, we can always do like show three, if we're on a roll with these series, but I can do a little teaser. Um, I was looking for the article I did way back in 2017 and couldn't find it. But the bottom line is this, protecting your brain in general, whether it be video gaming, social media, or substance use. The way I've handled that discussion in my home, and then also when I'm working as a doctor, is I literally say, everything's about health. Mm -hmm. or substances you use at the earlier age, you're feeding your, or anything, too much gaming, too much social media, too much sex, the wrong nutrition type, too much sugar, right? too much of anything can lead to an addiction. So I like to put it instead of no, 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 don't ever use, like, I'm just like raising your hand. I'm going to say this again, that no, because I said so, does not really work. (laughs) You need to go into the authoritarian and know your child and substance use. My son's like, oh, mom, here we go, the nucleus accumbens. And my unique (laughs) genetics is that I have a family history of addiction. My father got sober when I was age 11. My maternal grandfather died early because of alcoholism. My paternal grandfather got sober I have a strong history of like like high achievers with addiction, propensity, low-grade depression, generalized anxiety, but a lot of people have optimal health now in my family system because they beat their own genetics, right? Right. And so with my son, I don't want to, because I adopted him at birth, I just make us on an equal playing field. We have a family history of addiction in both of our families. And then I have a nice way of talking about it with him. And how we can have optimal health. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're so addicted to the pool. And so he gotten an addicted. He really likes the way he looks right now. So he's like sending me pictures. I'm almost addicted gone. to exercise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we can do deeper dives on substance Let's use do for, it. Like for teen talks three. But it all goes back to those simple phrases that really can help. By the way, this is very important. When you have a simple phrase no matter what age you are like stop drop and roll whether it's family time my son's like let's do family time he's been in the let's protect our brain mm-hmm. it sticks yeah it sticks you need to find simple phrases that stick that are the least judgmental and make sure your your child respects you and loves you and you love them Let's end it there Dr. Denise wonderful advice thank you Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen, for always asking the right questions and for your precious time as a working mother. And you're so full of integrity. Thank you for our time too. Thank you, everyone.